ask yourself who you are, what do you do, why do you do it, and why should anybody give a damn? And if you nail those four things and you can pin those down and you can look yourself in the mirror and, and say exactly, clearly, confidently what those are, when you go out in the world, you can go into almost any situation and, and be yourself. Hey everyone, Cole Turnbull with Cordelline Advice Givers, where we interview Cordelline business owners, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to bring Cordelline residents the best advice from our community's brightest minds. Today I'm joined by Cordelline's na- native and favorite son, <laughs> as coined by some, Dr. Ryan Bones, <laughs> who I refer to as a serial entrepreneur. Dr. Bones has been featured on two TEDx talks, which we'll get into, recently voted Best Chiropractic Office in North Idaho, and so much more. Dr. Bones has some incredible insight on not just chiropractic, but also marketing your business, which I'm excited to learn about, and some great social media awareness. Thanks for coming on the show, Dr. Bones. It is my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. First of all, Dr. Bones, Dr. Ryan, what do you like to go by? You know what? Most people just refer to me as Bones, and so Dr. Bones is fine. Ryan is fine. Whatever people, uh, whatever people prefer, my friends call me Bones. Okay. All right, Bones. <laughs> uh, we're going to... Uh, we're going to start the show a little different this time instead oh, of, you know, throwing it out there, doing the whole backstory thing. Uh, we're going to do a little kind of quick, quick fire, rapid fire. If you <coughs> All say. right. So. I'm ready. Here we go. Hit me. All right. Where'd you grow up? Rural South Dakota, little town of, called Parker, 1,000 people. Uh, I wasn't in that. I was about 15 miles outside of that in, on a farm and grew up on the dirt road. Farm boy. What was your uh, favorite childhood pastime? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say my favorite childhood pastime was probably riding my dirt bike. Uh, used to go out and just ride through all of our fields and pastures and had a very good time doing it. What's your favorite song that like just gets you in that zone, you know, takes you from... Beastie Boys, Sabotage. <laughs> your go-to restaurant? Bluebird, Midtown. If you walk into a bar, what do you order? A beer. What flavor? <laughs> uh, I typically... Go for either uh, a dark beer lately. Uh, I've actually been loving a lot of stouts and porters. If I'm feeling a little bit more like sipping, uh, I'll go with a Maker's Mark Old Fashioned. Oh, nice. PC or Apple? Oh, Apple, everything. Favorite sandwich? My favorite sandwich is, okay, it, it Franklin's Hoagies. It's the... It's the chef special, uh, and it is a Philly cheesesteak with jalapeno and cream cheese, and it is phenomenal. Ask Joe for his special at Franklin's Hoagies. Sounds to die for. <laughs> uh, I know you're a big reader. If you could only have three books for the rest of your life, what would those three books be? Very good question. I would say the first one would be the one I always go back to, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That book literally changed my life, uh, and I have read it a few times. Uh, I also love Think and Grow Rich, just another classic one for me. Um, Napoleon Hill. Yes, right. sir. Yeah. And then, you know what? I gotta go, I'm going to go with a fiction, number three, Without Remorse by Tom Clancy. 
Okay. I this book that book is like five inches thick, and I think I read it in seventh grade, and uh, I got a lot of looks. <laughs> Favorite aspect of Coeur d'Alene? The people, by far and away. I moved here because I thought it looked good on Apple Maps, but I quickly realized that the people are the most beautiful thing about this community. Everybody here is so incredibly supportive of one another and just want to see good things happen to people, and that's uh, that's why I love it here. Yeah, so actually that was kind of leading in good segue into <laughs> Coeur d'Alene. You know, you grew up in South Dakota, went to University of Nebraska, and then down Go to big red. Dallas for your doctorate, right? Yes, sir. Uh, How did you find Coeur d'Alene? So, uh, originally, when I was in chiropractic school, had planned to go to Bellingham, Washington. Some plans changed. I did not go to Bellingham, Washington, obviously. I then, about six months from graduation, had no clue where I was going to go. So, my best friend heavily recruited me to West Palm Beach, Florida. After two trips to West Palm Beach, Florida, I realized that I hated it a lot. And I'm not a beach person. I'm not a pastel shorts person most of the time uh what i call those chubbies yeah or i do actually have a pair of chubbies so. <laughs> um <laughs> i'm more of a jeans and boots and flannel and mountains and lakes and trees guy and so uh i landed back from west palm beach it was about a month and a half before graduation i decided i'm not going there and i needed to figure out where the heck i wanted to be and so i was sitting on my couch watching sports center in dallas and i was just scrolling Apple Maps. Like I was just scrolling. I was looking. I was just looking for areas that were I knew were kind of mountainous and and lakey and woodsy. And so I was looking at like Vermont and the Northeast. And then I was looking at you know Colorado. I'd been to. Decided I didn't want to go to Colorado. Uh, so then I was looking at you know Washington. I, I was like, well, let's look at Eastern Washington. And now there's really not a lot there. What's this lake? Lake Lake Curdaline. Lake. Pend O'Reilly. Yeah. And then I zoomed out and I was like, wait a second, Idaho? What? There's a border there. I'm in Idaho. Yeah. And so I zoomed in. I, lo- I loved just the look from, a- from above. Look like mountains and lakes. And uh, so I dropped pins for ski resorts because I love to snowboard. And bloop, 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 there's four or five. And I thought, wow, okay, here's a potential. And so I Googled Curdaline, Idaho, and was blown away at what I saw. I thought this is where I have always knew I was going to live. This is the vision I've always had. I just didn't know where that was. Uh, And so I booked a ticket. I flew up two weeks later. I drove around in my rental car for about three and a half days. Stayed of the days in right here, actually, on uh, Northwest, overlooking then what would have been my future office. Uh, And completely fell in love with this place. It clicked. Everybody I met was amazing. Every place I ate was great every you know I'd sit at a table by myself and pretty soon I'd have two or three people come over to talk to me like what are you doing why are you sitting by yourself oh you're in town cool yeah, yeah. we're friends oh, yeah absolutely yeah like <laughs> yeah and like everybody is friends and drove all the way around the lake on my last day and stopped 20 times and took pictures and um, was sitting in bakery by the lake staring at McEwen Park watching like all these kids play and it was fall and I thought this is this is it this is where I am meant to be and so I made the announcement on Facebook that day that that is this is where I'm gonna come and so uh, I flew back about uh, two three weeks later um, signed this office lease signed my apartment lease signed my bank loan and then flew back to Dallas again graduated loaded the U-Haul 
drove to South Dakota to pick up some things, pick up my dad, and then and some farm wood and, and some barn wood. Yes, yeah. thank you, my dad. Saved some of my great grandpa's barn wood, and that is in our office. Uh, and then you hauled it out. Uh, had an early Christmas. You hauled it out. Got here the twenty third of December, about a about two weeks after I had graduated, and that was so. That all happened in about a two month span. Yeah, and you came <laughs> here. You you knew nobody. I did. I except not, for the people you met. Uh, at yeah, the yeah. If you if that counts, uh, I knew not one soul. Correct. So like. What did you learn about yourself? I guess, I mean, I imagine there was a lot of time to to do some internal learning, right? Of coming to a place where you had absolutely <laughs> nobody. There was, there was a lot of, a lot of emotions. That is for sure. Um, it was a combination of fire uh, lit under my ass because I had things that needed to happen and they needed to happen quickly and they needed to happen well um, if I was going to launch this vision I had and this dream I had and not fall flat on my face. Um, I had to completely, obviously, you got to reestablish life and, you know, find my car wash and find the place where I eat regularly and find all that stuff. And uh, a lot of people are kind of turned off or scared away by that. I found that I I reveled in it. I loved it. It was every day was an adventure. Every day was something new. I got to meet new people. I got to go to new places. I got to see new things. I remember I just like drove up and down the streets of Coeur d'Alene because I could because I hadn't seen that street yet. And so I this was the first place that in you know after eight years of school traveling around the country that I got to I finally got to put roots down. Like this was my this was my community now. This is my home and. You know, I knew my kids would be raised here and I was going to build my life here and build my dream here. And so I wanted to know every single thing, every single little detail about it. Um, and which led me to leadership Coeur d'Alene and the North Idaho museum, by the way, if you live in North Idaho and have not been in the North Idaho museum, got to go check it out. It's awesome. But maybe that's just cause I'm not from here. I don't know. Um, I don't think I've been there since I don't know, middle elementary school, middle school. Oh yeah. We went on a field trip there. Robert Singletary was also probably still there at that time, uh, but he does an awesome job. He's like the curator, and um, he's 90-something and has more passion for this area than everybody, anybody I've ever met. But uh, it's cool. Check it out. I will say that. But I learned a lot. I learned that I love new challenges, and uh, I really, I think, for the first time understood the task that was going to be ahead of me in starting a practice. Yeah, and so starting a practice, I mean, you grew up in rural South Dakota, farm, farm boy. I'm sure your family probably had it all planned out that you were <laughs> going to, you know, take over the cattle and the fences and that sort I, of thing. What, what kind of dove you into the chiropractic world? I took a charge playing basketball when I was probably third or fourth grade. Um, basketball had always been a big part of my life. My dad was always my coach growing up. My two older sisters played basketball, so it was a big part of life. Uh, took a charge, could barely walk, hurt my low back. And so thankfully they, my parents, uh, took me to the, my tiny town's chiropractor, uh, Dr. Sheequin. And thank God he was a great chiropractor. He fixed me right up. And so I started going regularly as I was through elementary school and junior high and high school, um, which a, to kind of stay perfectly in tune for sports and everything. But, uh, I also really fell in love with the idea of chiropractic, kind of what it stands for. Uh, and that was that essentially the body's designed to function well, to take care of itself, to regulate itself, to heal itself. We have that, that powers within us. Obviously if you get cut on your hand, that heals, that's throughout your body. 
uh, oftentimes we just kind of do things to ourselves or get overwhelmed a little bit with stress that that doesn't quite function as well or something interferes with that ability. Uh, chiropractic's main focus is to look at the spine and look at the nervous system. Your nervous system controls every single cell and organ and tissue in your body. And so if it can't communicate, then it doesn't work well. Your body doesn't work well. You don't work well. Um, the spine can affect that. If it doesn't move well, it irritates the nervous system, irritates the spinal cord and the nerves. That static, if you will, can cause a disruption in the signals that connect the brain and the body. And then when those are disrupted, you don't work well. So chiropractic's whole take is to get to that root cause and, and clear out that interference in the spine, what we call subluxation, so that the brain and the body can work properly, so that you can work properly. Um, because like I said, you're designed to, and it's not a deficiency in prescription most of the time. It's uh, oftentimes it's, we cover up so many health issues in our society uh, with whether it be a medication or, or alcohol or you name it, uh, when in reality it's like taking a battery out of a smoke detector. The fire is still raging, uh, we just don't know it. And that doesn't lead to a nice, long, healthy, happy life. Uh, and so as I was growing up, I knew really early that farm life was not for me. Um, thankfully, my I have three cousins who are there on the farm. It is in very good hands. And my dad farms with two brothers, a brother-in-law. So each one of their sons is there. Plus we have a, a number of other guys working with us. Uh, and so that gave me the freedom to start to kind of let my mind wander as to what, what do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? Of course, with the last name, everybody always, when they met, oh, you should be a doctor, Dr. Bones, you should be a doctor, that'd be great. <laughs> and so that kind of got in my head and uh, I started looking into what, you know, what if I, do I want to be a doctor? But I think I've known my whole life that I always, I always wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to set my own hours. I wanted to have my own place. I wanted to make sure that I you know, never missed my future son's t-ball games. I didn't want anybody to tell me what I can and can't do. Uh, and so I saw a lot of doctors in hospitals and I feel like they, you know, just worked there and I didn't want that. And having a great chiropractor, I started talking to him about what, what is practice life like? And he loved it and he loved what he did for people. And he loved that he got to help people heal themselves essentially just with his hands. And, and you know, he, he had a great, great practice and a great family life. And I saw that and said, this is what I'm meant to do. And so that was about 12, <laughs> I think 12 or 13. Uh, and it solidified. And from there, went to college, worked in a chiropractic office, completely reaffirmed it's what I wanted to do on the chiropractic school and here. And so then before you got here, you uh, had your first of two TED Talks, right? That That is correct. I had my first one actually as a, I had about a year, not quite, about six months left of school uh, in Dallas when I did my first one at SMU. And how, how nervous were you? Oh God, I still get nervous <laughs> thinking about how nervous I was. Uh, uh, that, up to that point, I think the biggest group of people I'd ever spoken to is about 100 people, and they're, I think, mostly classmates for like a club. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people. And I had always had a vision of, I wanted to speak. I liked being in front of people. I was comfortable in front of people, and, and I happened to actually just be speaking to somebody at a networking event that, basically just like I did, where I just kind of word vomited passion for chiropractic. And this nice lady said, what, wow, you seem really passionate about that. Have you ever spoke on that? And I was like, no, nah, not really. 
would you like to? And I thought, uh, yeah, no, of course, absolutely. She goes, well, I actually work for TEDx SMU and you'd be perfect. Uh, we'd love for you to apply. One thing led to another. And uh, then I found out that there was going to be about a thousand people there. And in my head, I was telling myself, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. It's going to be great. I'm going to talk about chiropractic. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Sitting there, I was, I was probably like fourth to go or something, watching other people do it and seeing like how flawlessly they had rehearsed. And here I'm thinking like, I've been in chiropractic school. I've been doing this. Like, yeah, I like, I read through it a number of times. Like I practiced, but not nearly like I could tell they had. So, oh God, man, I'm going to look really dumb if I screw up because they're nailing theirs. And so I started to, I started to get nervous, started to sweat, went to the bathroom. I had like basketball sized pit stains <laughs> from just, just being so nervous. Walked out on stage. Oh, did my opening few lines perfectly, uh, cracked a joke, everybody laughed, and laughed more than I kind of thought they would, immediate train of thought gone. No clue where I was, what I was saying, what I was supposed to say next. Started to panic. You, you, I think they cut a little bit out of the YouTube video. You, you can't appreciate it as much as I did, because it seemed like I was like stood there like a stone for probably five yeah, minutes. Yeah, like eternity, yeah. right? No, it was, it was probably, probably like, like 15 seconds, yeah. but to me it was like 15 <laughs> minutes. And uh, I remember distinctly at one point looking over at the exit sign going, I could just walk off the stage. And I was like, no, no, I can't do that. I care about chiropractic. I know what I'm going to say. And so I actually just started, I went off script. I just started freelancing. I was like, all right, so listen, this is what chiropractic is. This is what it does. And like started getting all passionate. That brought me back around to where I was supposed to be, kept going. And then the last nine minutes of the 10 minute TED talk, I did really, really well and recovered. Uh, and then just about wanted to throw up when I walked off stage, but got it out. And that taught me a huge lesson. And that was when you care about what you have to say, you got to say it no matter if your voice shakes, it doesn't matter how scared you are. If that message is important to you, you have to say it and you will find a way to say it because when that why is strong enough, the how will always find a way. Uh, and so that helped me when I now travel and speak, you know, I think about what am I, what about this am I passionate about? Why do I think it's important that this group of people knows this? Okay. That's what I need to get across. And, uh, it helped a lot. All right. Like, I bet you were so, so scared, <laughs> nervous getting up there. It was terrifying. But, you know, I'm sure that was a big, big thing to overcome getting up there. I, I would have a hard time believing that I could get up in front of you can. People. Oh, you could. I know I can. <laughs> See, I try to eliminate the word can't. That, I like that. Good. But, like, man, that really pushed the limits. It, it's it's still a little scary today. I'm, uh, I've am i been fortunate to do the second TED Talk, but then also travel and speak to big groups. Um, spoke to an entire university this last fall um, for a, essentially it was like a business day. And then... I'm actually here in a couple of weeks delivering the commencement address at NIC. Nice. And so I am, I don't think I actually haven't announced or told anybody that. So there you go. You're, that's that, that's a exclusive, there you go, exclusive right here. Cordland Vice Givers podcast. <laughs> be there. Uh, so I'm giving the commencement address. And uh, that will be by far and away, again, the biggest group of people. There will be a few thousand people, I believe. Uh, and so thankfully I'll have a script in front of me for that. Say, yeah. Yeah. I get a podium, podium and I get a, I get papers. Extra deodorant. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. 
<laughs> so yeah, absolutely antiperspirant. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if that works. But, uh, going off of uh, so then you got back after the TED talk, moved to Coeur d'Alene. Yep. You know you're up here, and you'd already signed the lease for your for your business. Yep, and there was some work that had to be done. There was some work that had to be done. You could open your doors. How did you go about building what is now the most popular chiropractic <laughs> practice in Coeur d'Alene in oh, the matter thanks, of man. three months without knowing anybody? Okay. Uh, so I had a plan. Uh, the plan was basically be everywhere at everything, meet everybody for, for three months, full-time job, network and basically make people think I was cloned, make people think that I had a twin or something and just be everywhere and just completely infiltrate uh, everything about this community. Um, but from a perspective of this is where I'm, this is my home now. I want to be involved in everything. I want to be on every board. I want to be in every committee. I want to be at every event. I want to go to every grand opening because I want to know everybody. Uh, my dad has said many times that if you're not at the table in life, you're probably on the menu. And so I wanted to be at the table. I wanted to be helping make decisions. And so I threw myself in head first. Um, I thankfully, I, I kind of recognized my highest value was not going to be swinging a hammer in the practice. So I, I got to put it in the bank loan that I was gonna have a contractor. They did all the work. I, you know, I worked with a great architect here and a great contractor and decided on the plan. They went to town, they went to work. I went to town. And so, um, I literally opened up every newspaper, every community calendar, every Facebook event, pulled out one calendar and put them all on it. And I think we figured out, I went to like 70 plus events in three months. Uh, so that was chamber breakfasts. That was knitting fairs, grand openings. Um, you, you name it, I was at it. And then at the same time, uh, I, started essentially building a list of community influencers, community who's who. Uh, and I would check off meeting those people one at a time. The first person I actually met when I rolled into town, I had been here less than an hour with the U-Haul parked out front, um, was, well, I pulled up in front of my office. My dad and I needed something to eat. We didn't know where to go. And Ravel's was next to our office, rest in peace. And so we pulled up, we walked in, there was two guys sitting at the bar. So we sat at the other corner. Uh, I'm about to eat my food. I can sense, I feel like this guy knows people. I feel like I should introduce myself. I'm exhausted. We'd just driven across the country. And I remember making the decision of, do I just sit here quietly and eat my food or do I start this process of immersion? Like, do I start networking? And I thought, well, you know what? I only got three months. I got, I need to take every minute I can get. So I introduced myself and uh, lo and behold, that was John Butler. And so I sat and talked to John Butler for probably about an hour that night. Uh, weird story. He was actually uh, needed my help with something. So I helped him with something that night. And so I asked, all right, since I helped you, I want to take you out to lunch this week. Um, I want to ask some questions, you know, just kind of how I can establish myself here in this town. And so he's like, sure. I hand type or I typed out a list of probably 50 to 60 questions and had them in a notebook and went uh, and met, met John and opened my notebook and the look on his face was just like, Oh God. Okay. 
Let's let's go. Let's start. Here we go. What do you got? And I just went through all these questions I could think of. You know, who should I know in this town? Who shouldn't I know? What should I be involved in? What group? What uh, events should I go to? Where should I spend my time? Where the this and that and that? What are mistakes that I, I you know I, I can make that I can avoid? Uh, and he he was amazing. He just spilled it and he uh, he let me let me just pick his brain. And so I asked him for five people that he thought I should know in this town. And I asked him if it'd be okay if I used, you know, basically if I name dropped him uh, when I reached out to them, if I could meet them, he said, sure. So I started going down the list, made five appointments with five people. Hey, I'm new to town. I'm opening a business. John Butler said that you'd be a great person to talk to about how to be successful in this community. Oh, sure. Absolutely. We can meet each one of those. I asked him five names. I met with each one of those five people. Each one of them asked five names. I met with each one of those five people. So the calendar got events put on it, and then I filled in any space with a meeting. And so it's kind of, I think I coined the term like sandwich networking almost, in that I was kind of at the general community events, but then I was also trying to kind of work from the top down of influencers in the community because I knew if, if I knew them and they knew me, then that could lead to a break here. That could lead to an introduction here. And it did. Um, I got you know some great positions and I uh, did Coeur Leadership Academy, which is awesome. And it really saturated, I think, the community quickly. And plus I leveraged the crap out of social media, uh, which has become a passion of mine also. But my rule was if I didn't post about it, it didn't happen. So anything I went to, I posted about it because I may meet, you know, 20 people at an event, but if I post about being at that event or tag those people or whatever, now, you know, maybe it's 500 people will see that I was at that event and say, oh, I, oh, that's, that's cool. I, I went to that last year. Oh, that's nice. You know, but build some, build connection, build, com mm -hmm. build community. And, uh, and so I would leverage everything and share everything and anybody I, I worked exclusively locally, uh, which was kind of one of the strategies, I guess you could say was, you know, Vistaprint never referred anybody to my practice. And so I worked with a local graphic designer and I worked with local everything. And then, you know, when they did an excellent job, I would post about it and I would tag them and I would say thank you. And sure enough, they would share that onto their page. Well, that, guess what? Now their audience sees me and sees what I'm doing. And so it, it became this really, really, really fun challenge in three months to almost like just completely integrate myself in the community and get to know everybody. But what I always tell anybody who asks me this is that it was based on one fundamental tenant. And that was that each and every interaction that I had was real. It wasn't, here's my business card. I'm going to be opening, you know, Hey, come on here. You got to come in. Here's what I can do for you. Here's what I can do for you. No, it was, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. Oh, wow. That's cool. You have kids. Tell me about them. Oh, it's not, how can I, how can I bring awareness to this cause? How can I do, how can I help? And I built it on real relationships with real people that I really knew and cared about. And as a result, the community really cared about me and it's amazing. People support those who support them. You turn up for people, you show up for people, they'll show up for you. And that's what happened. Three months later, uh, I had my grand opening on March 31st, 2016. Wow, I can't believe it's been two years. Um, and we had about 250 
300 people come through that night. I had red carpet rolled out. We had live music. I took over Ravel's. And on Monday, when we officially opened, uh, we had about, I think it was 103 practice members pre-booked, uh, which filled our first three weeks with evals. We had no spots for three weeks, um, which was my goal. My goal that I had told myself and written down before I even got to chiropractic school was when I open my office, I'm going to pre-book over 100 people and I'm going to start taking care of the town and, uh, and hit it. And so that was amazing. 50 of those were at the grand opening, I think. But it, uh, it launched us very quickly, which was great in a lot of ways. Also exposed weaknesses very quickly in a lot of ways. But um, it was a blessing to be able to, to sell out for a community and have them um, return the favor. Yeah. And so when you were meeting all these people, right, like how did you did you just follow up with them on Facebook mm. or Instagram? Like, did you log like notes? You know, uh, like? Good question. So I had a, it was straight like a, like a baseball card binder of business cards that I had sorted different like industries. Um, you know, the, that all went into a email list and went to like a MailChimp list, um, which means that they got, you know, drip emails for invites to my grand opening. Uh, hey, I'm going to be at this event. Hey, you should be there. That, so I started like email drip. Um, as for, I was in four chambers for the first year. Um, now I'm, I'm just in Coeur d'Alene chamber, but, uh, so I got the mailing list. I think I only sent out actual, uh, actual letters to only the Coeur d'Alene chamber, but I got the Coeur d'Alene chamber mailing list, which is a lot of people and had an envelope with a letter from me. It had an, uh, like invite to my grand opening. It had a like a business donation form. If they wanted to donate a raffle prize, they would get to stand up and introduce themselves and give out their raffle prize. And, and so I connected with a ton of people and businesses that way that I'd, I'd probably met them at the chamber breakfast or something. And so that was a nice way to kind of follow up is it send them an invitation. Um, I, anybody that I would meet, I would always try to that night go and find them on Facebook, find them on Instagram, start following it's crazy when you follow people, oftentimes people follow you back. And so I started to have all these people that um, I was following on social media. They were seeing my stuff pretty soon. You know, I'd maybe follow if they, I was pretty shameless. Uh, if somebody had more than like 10 friends in common and they were local, I added them. I went through the people you may know and I added everybody. Friend, 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 friend. I looked at it as a numbers game. I thought, well, Either they're going to like what they see and they're going to want to keep me as a friend or they're not. They're going to delete me. I don't care either way. But if they accept that friend request, guess what? Now they see everything I do. They get invited to my grand opening on Facebook. They get, uh, you know, they get promoted for this. They get see this. They see that, whatever. Uh, and I would have people for months. I had people coming up to me going, I, I think I follow you on Instagram, I, but I don't know why who are you? <laughs> and so I had a ton of people who felt like they knew me when they had never even met me, um, which was a huge part in what we were able to accomplish. So, uh, I tried to keep a roster. Um, I tried to keep business cards. I tried to follow up as best as I could. I tried, I started writing thank you cards for some things that I got quickly overwhelmed and couldn't do that. Um, 
to this day, I still like to write thank you cards when I have a nice meeting. But um, so it was it was a tough process, but it was my full time job, so it was what I did twenty four seven. Yeah, then it paid off. And it, and it paid off. Right. And I I was blessed. I will say blessed. I it was a double edged sword, but I did not have a girlfriend. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a family. I didn't have so much as a goldfish to be responsible to at home. So I would oftentimes be out of my apartment from 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. And then I would go and I would crash for a few hours and then I'd get up again and do it the next day because I was, you know, if I was out at an event and somebody said, hey, you want to go get a drink? I would say, absolutely, let's go. And, and so I said yes to everything. And while that was great for the networking, I did physically burn out by the time <laughs> that was done, um, which was a mistake that I made and did not take care of myself. Uh, and so I'm very thankful that eventually I did meet my now wonderful wife, Cassidy, who is sitting behind me with our puppy, Keela. Uh, and so Cassidy is the only person I've ever met in my entire life who not only keeps up with me, but pushes me. Uh, we were two bullet trains when we met, each of which thought that the other one couldn't handle us. And uh, we kind of found parallel tracks and it has been a, it's been a partnership made in heaven and uh, we got married in September. Congratulations. Thank you. So she's uh, uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but she's the best person I've met here. Yeah. Your favorite wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and cute dog. Oh, super cute yeah. dog. Um, so if you could go back then, I know you said you burn out, you know, that could yeah. be one or whatever. You go back in time before you, started your practice here what advice would you give yourself hmm a lot um a lot definitely definitely learned a lot of things the hard way in not not just you know that aspect the community aspect um the not taking care of yourself aspect if you're going to be going a thousand miles an hour you need to have a body that can sustain going a thousand miles an hour and i i had always been in good shape. I played basketball in college, and so I was, you know, I was in shape, uh, whatever. But you can only sleep so little before that becomes majorly affected. You can only eat frozen pizza every meal for a certain amount of time because before that starts affecting you. And, uh, and so thankfully, I had a, a very good friend slap me upside the head and basically be like, well, dumbass, you don't sleep. You eat crap. You wonder why you're tired? Like, you have no fuel or energy whatsoever, and you're trying to do these things and do you want to do these things? Yes. Then you need to take care of yourself. And so he, he got me in a better routine. I started waking up. I started working out. That has fallen off. I need to get back on that. Gosh. Um, but my morning routine, at least I have kept, uh, I typically wake up about four fifteen now. Um, which is actually my favorite time of the entire day. I love my mornings. I love mornings so much. I go to bed way earlier. I don't go to bed at 2am anymore. That doesn't work. Uh, pretty much go to bed by 10 o'clock every night for the most part, unless there's something going on and then wake up at four fifteen. So I get my six hours. That seems to just be perfect for me. Um, and I, now I get way more done from four to 6 AM than I ever did from midnight to 2 AM, but that's maybe off topic. Uh, so taking care of myself was one of the big mistakes. The other one was if I could give myself one, one thing to look out for, it would be trust, but verify. Uh, I trusted a lot when I was opening, um, I, t 
former employees, uh, people that we had hired to uh, help do some of like the billing in our office um, that were external, that were kind of outsourcing essentially. Long story short, uh, when I, when somebody says they're going to do something, I kind of take it that they're going to do it. And I did not do a good job of verifying that things were being done properly uh, until it was way after the fact. And I'm wondering why, boy, we see a lot of people. I really feel like we should have better revenue than we do. Oh, oh, after Cassidy dug up a lot of dirt and did worked her butt off for a month, Oh yeah, our insurance billing is being billed like maybe like thirty percent of our insurance is being billed uh, and properly. And so, thankfully, Cassidy went back and has corrected that, which took months. Uh, but things weren't being done properly. Uh, we had to dig out from a, a really, really big hole. And I know that at the end of the day, it's my fault because it's my business. It's my responsibility. It's it's my job to oversee the things that happen under my name and my umbrella. And I was very focused, I think, you know, with the flashier parts, like taking care of people and, and being a doctor. And there were the, what I would call the quote unquote boring things that ended up being crucially important that I kind of overlooked. And so um, trust but verify and pay attention to the details because as they say, the devil's in the details. and details can derail something very grand very quickly uh, when they're not done properly. And so those are some things I got burned on pretty hard. Yeah, I put, I have the same problem. It sounds like I put way too much faith in humanity. And it's like, you're like, man, like I, that person, like I, they had such great intentions, you know, but come to realize not everyone does, right? Yeah. And they're kind of out there for me. Cassie's probably shaking their head or shaking her head because I feel like I, I get that a lot. I I don't know if it's the way I was raised. I don't know if it's, you know, the rural South Dakota thing, but I feel like I always assume everybody has the best of intentions and the best of everything. And while 99% do, not 100% quite do. And so I'm trying to be slightly better about trusting, but verifying. Yeah. The one bad <laughs> egg, one bad egg ruins yeah, it know. for everyone, right? Uh, in your opinion, what has been the most critical aspect of the success of your practice? I think the most critical aspect of my success, and really I would argue any success, is the ability I have worked on, and I will say worked on because I think that some people can naturally have this skill, but I think that it's also a talent that can be worked on and trained and honed and sharpened. Um, and that is the ability to connect with people. I think the ability to connect with people is one of the most crucial aspects of success. Um, if that means that I go to an event and I'm connecting with people there and maybe we don't even talk about me, but after five minutes of conversation and I walk away and they go, I really like that guy. That guy, some just, I really feel, I feel good about that guy. They're going to tell their friend, oh, your back's hurting or whatever. You should go see Dr. Bones. Oh, why? Have you gone there? No, just really like him. And so there's, there's something about people 
trusting you that tends to make it very easy to work with you, right? Uh, and so I feel like being able to connect well with people in, in different mediums, speaking, over social media, in person, at events, um, and being able to have them walk away impressed and and feeling like they can trust me and, and knowing they can trust me and knowing that uh, I was there for the right reasons uh, has really been the bedrock that my success has been built on. Um, so I, I would say that. Yeah, what is it? Is it Tim Ferriss? says my, my net worth is my network. network. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, there's a quote that I've kind of bastardized a little bit. Um, people liking you won't get you everything in life, but it'll get you everything in life better than people not liking you will. And so I'm very happy to make people happy. I, I love getting to connect with people and getting to take care of people. And that's why I'm not an attractor. Yeah. And then you also do more than, you know, just create relationships here at Beyond Bones, you got a couple other businesses, marketing, uh, yes, social media aspects. You want to dive into those a little bit? Sure. Um, so, obviously, the chiropractic office was the launch pad. Um, after that went very well. I, I kind of, I basically, long story short, I kind of got noticed, if you will, I guess, um, on a more national scale within the profession of chiropractic and had, because I had been very visual and very vocal on social media about the process, how, you know, everything from picking the town to moving across the country, to the struggles, to the wins, to the opening, because I basically blasted that to the world um, like an open book, I had a lot of people doctors, students, a lot of chiropractic students who started reaching out to me going, I, I've been following the, the journey, man, and I, I am about to embark on the same thing. How can I do that? How, how do, what, what, do you, what advice do you have? Uh, and so I started, I got so buried in Facebook messages for a few months. Um, and so I started kind of trying to, I guess, maybe like give back. And, you know, like I went uh, back to my alma mater and spoke and so I was trying to, you know, just give a little bit back to the profession of chiropractic and a man by the name of Tristan Schaub, who is an excellent individual, uh, if he hears this, I don't know if he will, um, started, he kind of noticed what I was doing and he interviewed me for his company, Cairo Sushi, which is not a restaurant, but it is a uh, media, I would say entrepreneurial development, uh, coaching, mentoring company in chiropractic um, that was started with himself, his father, and uh, another founder named Dr. Dan Golden. And his dad is a chiropractor. Tristan is not. He's a marketer and a genius. And they needed somebody to be sort of the, the face and the voice and the connector, if you will, for Cairo Sushi as they wanted to grow and do more for the profession of chiropractic. The whole mission of chiropractic Cairo Sushi is to help chiropractors be more successful so that they can not only have a better life for themselves, but have a better practice, have a better home life so that they can help other people have better lives. Uh, and I completely resonated with that mission. And so at first I just kind of helped him with some things here and there. And then one day he called me and asked if I would be 
become president of Kaira Sushi and co-owner. And so that obviously blew me away. Here I was literally, I think, I think I like just celebrated a year in practice. Uh, and at this, at that point, Kaira Sushi, I think had probably seven, seven, 8,000 followers on Facebook, um, a growing Instagram following. Tristan was doing a great job with content. Uh, they actually, he initially made the splash in chiropractic as, uh, being the only one making funny chiropractic memes. Uh, and so the whole idea behind the name Kaira Sushi is a fresh, raw, cool approach and take on chiropractic. And so he was one of the first ones doing that and saw that I would be an app, be, uh, I could, I could help that mission. And so he brought me on as co-owner and president. And so that started, a just about a year ago with me, which has been a hell of a ride. Um, we, I travel around the country now and speak to different schools. Um, I'm uh, adjunct faculty at a chiropractic university. So I go out there once a quarter to Atlanta um, and kind of do like a weekly, um, essentially it's a weekly Facebook live for students where they can come on and ask me questions. Uh, and so then we, then we started spinning off more and more things. We had the first Cairo Sushi Summit. That was last year, it was in Las Vegas. We had about, I think about 250 chiropractors come. We had about 30 vendors, um, about 35 speakers. Grant Cardone was our uh, keynote. He locked it down for us, uh, which really kind of launched Cairo Sushi now to a, a new level of notoriety. And then we, started a private paid Facebook group where we do mentorship for students and doctors. Um, and now we have our second summit coming up in June, 21st to 23rd. And we have Brian Tracy, uh, JP Sears, Tucker Max, Tom Bailu, Coop Blackson. Uh, it's really a, it's, we're some of the only ones doing more of the entrepreneurial business, marketing, networking aspect for chiropractors rather than just here's a script, here's how you can get new, more new patients, you know? Uh, and so we, our whole mission is to help chiropractors be successful at being themselves and that shines through and helps them be more successful in the community. So, uh, that's Kairo Sushi. And so that has, that has been a completely different aspect of my life, uh, which has taken me away from Coeur d'Alene a little bit, uh, to, to kind of give, I guess, give back on a national scale, but has been an amazing experience. And then, um, bringing it closer back to home. Uh, my wife, Cassidy, is a genius in her own right and has done amazing things in business. She's nodding and smiling. I know, because well, she knows it. Um, so she's done amazing things in business and in different businesses. Uh, she actually started, got her start in real estate and she helped start a real estate team in Spokane when she was 20, 20, 20. Um, and essentially acted, I suppose, as COO and helping run the details and the structure and the systems and the policies and the procedures of that, that team, which as we're dating, and I'm sure it killed her to see me struggling with those things. And it also killed me to see me struggling with those things, knowing that I had this incredible gem of a human being who cared a lot about me, who was great at those things. Uh, and so I finally twisted her arm to leave real estate and come basically kind of run the practice, uh, run everything from the systems to the team to uh, marketing and budget. To, I get to just take care of people. She does everything else. And so uh, she straight 
righted the ship um, when I think it was probably slowly drifting towards the rocks um, if I hadn't had somebody better at that stuff than me. Um, and I think within two or three months of her coming in as practice manager, the practice had doubled by simply taking like inefficiencies out by following up on things, by actually in, you know, installing certain things that we hadn't used. Um, and so she turned this practice around. And then as she did that, we had friends who owned businesses who saw her do that, who said, hey, uh, can you help me? Can you do that for me? Can you come in? I, I'm busy. I, I struggle with that stuff. You know, I'll, I'll pay you. You can come in and help me with this. And so she started doing um, I guess essentially kind of business turnaround and, and, uh, troubleshooting for friends. I started doing networking and social media consulting for friends just because they asked me to. And I was, you know, I would trade it for like steak dinners and beers. And, um, pretty soon we both looked at each other and went, you know, we, we should really probably build a proper structure and entity for this. Uh, and so we recently launched Ascension Consulting, which is just that. It's the two of us. She really focuses on, I think, a lot of the internal aspects of business, and I am great at the external aspects of business. And together, we um, are working with three clients right now. And we kind of capped it at that because we have no time um, and are essentially helping try to take them to the next level. The whole, the whole slogan is rising above the competition. And so we, we, it's been amazing because we've gotten to select who we want to work with, uh, which one of our rules when we decided to do this was we weren't going to work with people that we weren't passionate about what they were doing that we didn't care about. Um, and so we picked three and we're very, very, very excited, uh, to not just help them be more successful, but to, to show the world what these amazing people have to offer. And that's uh, one of those things along with Kairo Sushi and, you know, getting to care for people that really fills the cup back up. Um, because running around a million miles an hour drains the gas tank pretty quickly. But when somebody can, you know, get down on the floor to play with their grandkids again, or when somebody can drive a car because again, because they don't have vertigo or when somebody you know, launches their practice successfully, that was a student with me. And, uh, if I help them do that, or if Kairo Sushi helps people be more successful or if, you know, Cassidy and I go in and find even just one little thing here or there that can help our neighbor be more successful, then that's what I've found truly makes me happier than almost anything on the planet. Uh, and I think I realized over the last year that my calling in life is to try to help people live happier, more successful lives. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I give a, I'm a little I'm a little emotional and passionate about what I do sometimes. Well, but I mean that's the best, right? Yeah. If you're emotional about it, you're gonna put your heart and soul into it, and you're gonna do, do Amen. work. You know. Um, I know that one of the things that kind of caught my eye on the Cairo Sushi th uh, video I watched actually, I don't know if that was your co-founder or whatever that was on. I found on was it big dude with the long hair. Yeah. Look kind of gruff. Yeah. Yeah, it's Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is that you guys were actually talking about creating like your business as a media company? Yes, something you know that, that I try to kind of revolve my business around yes, too. Yes, absolutely. It opens up so many pathways on the back end that yes. you're you're starting to hit now, yeah. right? Like, yeah, 
you create like this big following, this big media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, following emails, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, on the back end, you can turn around and, and you already have an audience. Yes. Um, it's, we live in a world where people love to follow things. People follow the Kardashians. People follow, you name it, you know, different Instagram accounts and everything and, and Facebooks and they get on there religiously. And um, if you can become something or somebody that people like to follow and, and become interested in and build enough of those people, you have a massive community that cares about you, that wants to see you succeed, that wants whatever you're putting out into the world. And not only that, but will tell their friends about it. I mean, it doesn't take a math genius to do the multiplication between if you got 10,000 followers and each of them, maybe, you know, if they know 10 people, that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so the medium of social media and just media in general uh, is incredibly powerful when it's leveraged properly. Uh, it's not just pictures of cats and your dinner. Uh, there's a lot that can go into it. Although don't look at my Instagram account. It's mostly pictures of food and my dog, but, uh, <laughs> and my wife. But, um, that being said, I, you know, people aren't looking at the billboards anymore. Frankly, in my opinion, people aren't, I don't really watch a lot of local news. I read the CDA press and I follow local events. Um, but for the most part, you know, I don't look at the ads in the newspaper. I don't, uh, like I said, I, when I, if I'm at a stoplight or whatever, I typically take a quick look at my phone before it turns green, not up at the sign. Um, and so people are staring at their phones, staring at their phones in the morning when they wake up, at night when they go to bed, on Sundays when they're sitting on the couch, the commercials come on, what do you do? You pick up your phone, you look at your phone. And so it's a free, very cost-effective opportunity to put who you are, what you do, and why that's important to somebody directly in front of their face. And not just any somebody, but somebody that you get to pick and screen and filter for the demographics of exactly the type of person that you want to reach for $5 a day. And so, I mean, it, I, could, I could do an entire podcast on that alone. But uh, if you have something that you want the world to know about, you got to turn yourself into a media company, baby. You got to put it out there and, and put out good content and build, give value. If you give value, like you've done a great job giving value to people. If you give value, people will follow you. And you can at different times ask for value in return. And that value can be showing up to an event, donating to a cause, buying a book, whatever. Um, but it's completely possible when you aren't afraid to, to try. Awesome words of wisdom. <laughs> Any lasting thoughts you want to leave us oh, with? Oh, man. He's like, oh, I got how, so many. I see, how much time you got? Uh, I, I am a quote book. I could just sit here and spit quotes for years. But I would say, I would say this. Um, something that kind of crossed my mind is you asked me about, you know, one of the keys to success, and I said connecting with people. Um, yes, I like that answer. However, I think a key aspect to connecting with people that I didn't mention is 
being yourself, being authentically, congruently you, unashamedly, unapologetically you. Uh, because if you're not, that connection dries up in a hurry because people can see through that in a heartbeat. And when you are comfortable and confident and secure in who you are at your core, you project that into the world and people can read that and can sense that. And that's where connection comes from um, is by coming off as somebody that is that is authentic uh, and real. And so I think that if they have any lasting words of wisdom or anything, it is ask yourself who you are, what do you do, why do you do it, and why should anybody give a damn? And if you nail those four things and you can pin those down and you can look yourself in the mirror and, and say exactly, clearly, confidently what those are, when you go out in the world, you can go into almost any situation uh, and, and be yourself uh, because you don't have to wonder who, who I am. You know who you are. And then you can start learning about other people, which is, again, where that connection is built. Um, people, people respond really, really well to being asked questions and inquired about not being told who you are. Uh, and so be yourself, be authentic, be inquisitive, give a damn about the world, give a damn about the people around you, and you will quickly find that uh, they'll start to give a damn about you. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks for sharing. Hey, hey absolutely. My pleasure. Coeur d'Alene, I mean, after sitting here talking to you, you know, Coeur d'Alene is thankful that you found <laughs> Coeur d'Alene on Apple Maps. Uh, I, am, I am thankful for people like you guys. Um, it goes without saying, my incredible, wonderful wife. I know that I would not be here today without her, uh, without my parents. And I'm blessed to be a part of this town, truly. I can't imagine being absolutely anywhere else um and i'm just thankful that i found it and how can people uh find you find instagram facebook whatever yeah well uh if you go on facebook my name is ryan bones and you can type that in the search bar and then ryan bones will pop up it is the picture of me and my wonderful wife at our wedding photo and uh so you can find it search me on facebook I think I have like if they aren't already I think I have you, like three no I think I have like three long. friend spots left and I say that and I say and I laugh but f legit they cap you at 5,000 friends and I had I had now you gotta be selective I had 5,000 and I actually went and I cut the roster down uh and I unfriended people that I you know I didn't know or recognize or whatever and so I it's built back up I think I have like four friend spots left so um but I know you can follow me on Facebook, even if we're not friends. Every single thing I post is public 100% of the time. I have literally, I don't think anything that's private on my page. And so you can see everything as if you were my friend regardless. Um, Instagram, at beyond underscore bones. You can find me on Instagram. They don't cap you, so please go follow me there. I'll probably follow you back. Um, I really am not on, I don't, really don't do Snapchat or Twitter that much, frankly. Facebook and Instagram where it's at for me. Uh, our website for the chiropractic office is www, which I assumed you know because most pages are on the World Wide Web. GoBeyondBones.com, and you can check out our stuff. Uh, we have a number of videos on there that kind of explain a little bit more about what we do, why we do it, uh, who we see, who we don't see, what kind of things we specialize in. Um, then check out KairoSushi.com uh, or go to the Facebook page Kairo Sushi. 
You know, like us. If you like memes, you may not get all of them because they're pretty chiropractically oriented. But if you like memes, go to the Cairo Sushi Instagram. It is just at Cairo Sushi, one word, uh, and follow us there. If you are in business and you want to, uh, if you want to learn some amazing things, we a have the Cairo Sushi Summit coming up, and uh, you can go to KairoSushiSummit.com. We have tickets. It's open not just to chiropractors but to everybody. It's a very entrepreneurial focused summit. Uh, we'd love to have some people down. And if you're local in the Coeur d'Alene area and want to know how maybe Cassidy and I could help, uh, you can find either one of us on Facebook or check out Ascension Consulting on Facebook uh, and shoot us a message. But otherwise, I'm around at most things, and so you can find me out and about in Coeur d'Alene uh, or swing by our practice. Please come on in. We are right in Riverstone next to Starbucks. Uh, our doors are open most of the hours that are on our sign. And so we'd love to have you come on in and, and uh, introduce yourself. We'll give you a tour of the practice. We love to meet people and, and uh, connect with people that way too. So all any of those, I'm pretty, just Google me. Just find him, Google and watch the TED put, Talks. But put, but put DR Bones in, or put DR in front of Ryan Bones because uh, there's, a, there's a different Ryan Bones who uh, has a, apparently a big Twitter following in his adult profession <laughs> and that's not me and so don't click the video link don't yeah. do it dr bones <laughs> dr ryan bones that's right not, um, it, not the adult superstar. not the adult no not the adult, <laughs> not the adult superstar uh email dr bones at gobeyondbones.com uh we'd be happy to answer any questions anybody's got cool we appreciate it ryan thank you so much for having me on cole Take appreciate care, it man buddy. this is a blast